All right, everybody. Thanks for being back here with us. I know it's been uh, a little bit of a break since our last episode, but we are back for episode seven of the Three Major Sports Podcast. Uh, I am Enrique, coming to you here from Miami. And as always, I am joined by my partner in crime, Rob, up in the Tampa area. Say what's up, Rob. Hello, hello. What's up, what's up? So we are uh, back again. So like I said, another episode. Today, we are going to... um, dip into a little bit of controversy, a little bit of drama. So we've got some Major League Baseball stuff going on. We know that those salty old white people, so no offense to you, sir, (laughs) are always getting their panties in a twist about something. Uh, This time it seems like it could be pretty legitimate. We're going to talk about it and see what um, a couple people have had to say and things like that. We'll, uh, We'll give a pretty... All-encompassing quick run around the league, see what's going on in baseball here as we approach the midway point coming up in about a month at the All-Star break. So we're getting close to that. Um, Talk a little bit about my hometown Marlins, which uh, not so great lately, right? Spoiler alert, not so hot. And then uh, we're going to switch gears a little bit, talk about a big NFL move. So everything had quieted down after the draft and everything like that. And then, bam, we get a Julio Jones trade. So we're definitely going to talk about that a little bit with uh, Atlanta and Tennessee and where that leaves those teams. Um, And then we are going to wrap it up with some playoff talk. We are into the second round um, of the playoffs. We had some um, less than ideal results in the first round, we can say. And oh, for uh, who? For who? Just, who? You know, who was less than ideal? The Lakers, you must mean. I mean, eight teams had less than ideal results, if we really want uh, to go there. Oh, um, I, see. I see. One of those teams was the least of the nice results. So uh, that is what we've got on the docket for tonight. We are going to start this off with America's pastime. So baseball. Now, you used to be. Used to be. Yeah, that's that's a fact. Back in my day. Um, so, MLB has been cracking down or have announced, Not really. I don't know if they've really made a formal announcement. I believe they've notified clubs and players that they're going to be cracking down on foreign substances that pitchers are uh, going to be used or have been using, supposedly. supposedly. So, it's really the worst kept secret in baseball that most pitchers, not all, but most pitchers, um, and it's especially prevalent in the really good pitchers, which is kind of what makes them really good, use some sort of foreign substance to increase their grip, which in turn increases their spin rate. So spin rate is important in pitching because the higher the spin rate, spin rate changes the trajectory of your pitches. Right, So the higher your spin rate, the more movement you're going to get on the ball. The more yeah. movement you're getting on a ball that's already traveling close to 100 miles an hour, your swing and miss ratio is going to go up through the roof. And you start getting some pretty outstanding results from that. So it's been a thing for a minute, right? A couple of years ago, we had the juice ball thing with, with Major League Baseball. that They changed the ball and the home runs went through the roof. Um it was right before that that this is what, that this practice of foreign substance really apparently started not just gaining traction because I'm not sure how many people were already doing it or not, but it started gaining a little bit of uh, notoriety, for lack of a better word. People were starting to take notice. Um, 
I mean, not that everything goes back to the trash shows, right? The cheating Astros. But this is one of the things that was kind of uh, thrown out in their direction. Trevor Bauer, he's basically called out the Astros and Garrett Cole in a tweet a couple years ago. He wrote, quote, if there was just a really quick way to increase your spin rate, like what if you could trade for a guy knowing that you could bump his spin rate a couple hundred RPMs overnight? Imagine the steals you can get on the trade market. This was very soon after Garrett Cole was traded from the Pirates to the Astros and then immediately rose to the superstar that we know Garrett Cole to be today. Um, Very similar things happened with Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander was a carcass at the end of his career in Detroit. There was nothing left there. He goes to um, Houston, career revival, and and, and just a resurgence in just – Dominant pitching, not like, oh, now you're serviceable again. No, he, he went back to being dominant um, against Zach Greinke. Zach Greinke never really had a big downfall in from other teams, like when he was with Arizona or stuff like that. But he has gotten – as he's stayed as good or maybe gotten a little bit better in his time in Houston too. So there's a lot to kind of unravel there. Um, obviously – they're calling the, the Astros pitching staff the biggest cheaters of the bunch, which I guess is nothing new to the Astros conversation. But, uh, I mean, what are your thoughts on this before we go into some more detail uh, about the latest unravelings here? Yeah, I mean, I haven't really been looking into it too much uh, with, with baseball sort of being on my back burner. Um, but I was actually going to ask you, like, who who – who are the some of the more prevalent people besides the Astros that they're naming in this stuff? Like where, and I've I've seen stuff about Degrom, and I, I, that's I assume the the biggest name in there, uh, outside of Houston. Um, but well, who are some of the other guys? All of the Degrom stuff has been in his defense. Nobody has accused Degrom of doing it. As a matter of fact, I think it was today. All of his um, staff mates, right? So all the other pitchers on the staff have come out. And basically, I can't quote him off the top of my head, but I'll look for it. Has basically said, "Oh, I vouch for this guy. He didn't do anything. Like he didn't do any of this." Here we go. So you've got James McCann, so his catcher. I can confirm the go to substance free. Can you imagine if he did use something? Marcus Stroman. I can confirm as well. Degrom is the goat, and he's clean. Uh, Taiwan Walker. I can confirm too. The goat doesn't need it. Um, Trevor May, another pitcher on the staff. I can also confirm he's just better than all of us. So, Degrom, everybody's coming out and be like, "This guy doesn't fucking need it." Like, this dude is a monster, and and he is literally not using anything to to help us to his to like to his advantage. So that's amazing. Um, some of the other guys who have been in it. So I'm I'm gonna get to them because I actually have them here. Josh Donaldson has kind of been the most vocal player of this recently. He has basically even vowed to start calling out like names, like this pitcher does this, this pitcher does this, this pitcher does this. Because it's kind of getting to the point where like, dude, if you are getting that much movement or that much more movement on a pitch, it's, you. I don't know if it's the same. I kind of, I'm even hesitant going there, but you start talking about like the steroid era. And it's like, okay, so those hitters had an advantage because, with the same amount of contact that a person not on steroids would have made, their ball went 
90 feet further. Those 90 feet turn into home runs, right? So it changes everything. With sure. these guys, you know, a couple hundred RPMs, which is for the most part what the differences are in, in people who you think are using it versus not, it's a couple hundred RPMs. Um, it, that's the difference in a couple swing and misses. That's the difference in a couple of strikeouts with, you know, runners on second and third versus a single with a runner on second and third. So again, you start messing with the integrity of the game. Um, shit gets really iffy in there. I don't think that this is, I don't think this has or will have the same effect or impact on the game or the way that the game has looked at like the steroid era did. I don't think we're talking about anything near that. It's simply a comparison of um, unlevel playing fields. So, and actually, that's one of the things that Bauer says. So, Bauer basically wrote, if you're going to enforce, he wants a fair playing field. He's basically admitted to to using stuff since, like, 2019. Um, and his thing is, he's never come out and said, I don't do it. He comes out and says, I just want a level playing field. If you're going to enforce it, enforce it. And if you're not going to enforce it, don't enforce it. We're going to do it. Like, we're going to rock it. He's basically come out and said recently that, like, He's just sick of not – he's not going to sit around and watch people cheat while he doesn't. If if they're going to cheat and everything's cool, then I'm going to cheat too, which I guess it's not a great way to go about things, but I totally understand it, it from a competitive yeah. point of view. Like if I'm a competitor and, some, and I know somebody's got an upper hand on me because of something that they're doing that's not being called out, I'm probably going to try to do the same thing then. So sure. that's where we are now. So the owners voted last week to – start a crackdown, basically, whatever the hell a crackdown even means. They use such loose language with these people that they can't really hold themselves accountable to anything. So It's such a stupidly have, run sport. It, it just, it really is. Uh, it really is. It's just a bunch of old Neanderthals doing this. The, the closest thing we've got to real leadership there is, is Theo Epstein, who's trying to work his way up the actual corporate ladder. But by the time he gets to any sort of real power, talk about 20 years from now. Right. Um, so... Yes, it is a poorly run sport, but now they're going to have a crackdown. So Ooh. whatever this crackdown means, um, they're going to start – nobody's used the word suspensions, but they suspended four minor leaguers in the past week for it, for something like this. Last week, uh, Giovanni Gallardo, who's a pitcher for the Cardinals, was made to switch his hat mid-inning. Uh, umpire went, walked out to him and asked him for his hat. Apparently, he had some, either pine tar or something under the bill of his hat so whenever he would go and grab his hat to readjust it, bam, he'd put something on his thumb or on his hand, and it went to the ball. Uh, ump saw it, made him switch his hat. Didn't toss him from the game, which I thought was really weird. Like, if you're basically catching somebody and accusing them of cheating and you don't remove them from the game, I don't know what like I don't know how valuable that is in terms of, like, setting a precedent for future cheaters, but, you know, whatever. Um, right. Didn't throw him out of the game, made him change his hat. We went on. His manager had a whole, he went went on a whole ten minute rant after that about how there's basically saying what Josh Donaldson has said and a little bit of what Bauer has said that there's tons of people doing this. Um, you shouldn't just go after one guy if you're going to enforce it, enforce it. Which I agree with too, dude. If we're going to enforce it, you need to enforce it across the across the board. So that's where we are now. We are in the beginnings of this enforcement, and it seems like people are taking notice. So. This uh, this started gaining steam middle to end of last week. So over the weekend, we had some pretty notable names take the mound. And this is what the changes were. So these are some of the bigger drop-offs. Garrett Cole was down 300 RPMs. In that start, 
in that start of down 300 RPMs, he went five innings and gave up five runs to the Rays. So Rays, not a bad team, right? Best team in the American League. Cool. Uh, possibly write it off as a bad start. It was a Thursday afternoon start. Uh, it was weird. You know, let's see. He's got another start coming up, I think, tomorrow, if not Wednesday, depending on the Yankees' schedule. So we'll see how he does then. Um, Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns has been phenomenal uh, since last season, really. He's been one of the pitchers who's really exploded onto the scene. He's moved from relief pitcher into the starting role very successfully. He was down 100 to 200 RPMs, depending on the pitch he was throwing this weekend. But he went seven innings, didn't give up any runs, four hits, no walks, 13 Ks, 23 swinging strikes. So he had noticeable RPM drops, and the performance was not affected. And the most important part of that that I point out are the 13 strikeouts on 23 swinging strikes. 23 swinging strikes is like 25% of the pitches thrown for the most part. Uh, That's amazing. That's phenomenal. Um, I mean, if you can be even a three quarters of that number, you're having a great swinging strike day, right? Cause that's you, you, pitchers, successful pitchers tend to succeed by playing off of contact, getting ground balls, double plays, avoiding home runs, stuff like that. But when you're right. really getting people to swing and miss, that's when your stuff is on fire, which is why the spin rate stuff is so important. So again, his RPMs were down, but it didn't seem to affect the performance in any way, shape or form. So it kind of was like, okay, I don't know what to think about Corbin Burns here. Um, the next one, a very, very prevalent name in all of this, Trevor Bauer. He was down 225 RPMs. Uh, he went six innings. He gave up three runs, and he walked four dudes. Trevor Bauer was definitely putting something on the baseball. Trevor Bauer has stopped putting something on the baseball for at least this start because apparently the enforcement that he keeps talking about is coming. Again, Trevor Bauer has basically been pretty upfront that after his 2018 season in Cleveland um, – that he started doing something after that. The next season was the Cincinnati season, right? Yeah. He was um, in Cincinnati in 2019. And then he went to the Dodgers this season. I think, or last season? I think we, I think we actually traded him mid 2019. Okay. So he finished with the Reds and then he did the 2019 season with the Reds. He, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, the 2020 no, no. season, the shortened 2020 yeah. season. Yeah. And then yeah. this is his first season in LA with the Dodgers. Okay. So um they got this dude a what three hundred million dollar contract he signed something like that some with the Dodgers number. yeah some stupid number like that so the man got paid if they start enforcing it he seems like he doesn't have a problem stopping to do it his twenty eighteen season um, I'm looking at his RPMs for that season and or since that season I mean he averaged twenty four hundred RPMs on his pass on his fast on and his pitches excuse me all of his pitches averaged out twenty four hundred RPMs. In 2018, 2,400 RPMs in 2017, 2,300 RPMs in 2016. In 19, 20, and 21 – I'm sorry, in, in 20 and 21, he's at 2,800 RPMs. So that is like a 400 RPM boost at the time that he's basically told you he stopped giving a shit because everybody else was cheating. So we can see where that is. So we'll see how he – what kind of pitcher he uh, regresses to if they do, in fact, level the playing field, quote-unquote. Um, couple more, couple other guys that, that had interesting outings, Frankie Montas of the A's down, depending on the pitch he threw anywhere from hundred to 300 RPMs, another not so great performance, five innings pitch. He gave up three runs, only had two strikeouts and Merrill Kelly, 
Merrill Kelly of the Diamondbacks, who has been having a pretty good season considering what you would expect from Merrill Kelly. He had four pitches lose over 100 RPMs this weekend. He went six innings, gave up four, struck out four. Um, these are some of the more prevalent names who have been pretty successful this season and recent and in recent years um, with high RPM spin rates to what they did this weekend. There's clearly a trend, right? There's obviously something going on. Uh, let's see how serious they get about this crackdown. Let's see how it affects it. I mean, there's one thing that we can agree on. Pitching this season has been astronomically good. It's been one of the best starts to a season from a pitching standpoint, I believe, in the history of Major League Baseball. This is at the end of May. This was the lowest batting average for the league, I think, in like 50 years. So it's something's been going on with the pitching out there. This could be good for the game, right? A game that struggles to hold people's attention. Um, home runs are better than strikeouts in, in that, if you're going to look at it from that way, right? If you're going to try to create excitement, if you're going to try to create engagement from your fan base, home runs are more exciting and a better thing to market than strikeouts are, I think. I think most fans would agree with that. So uh, maybe this helps the offense come back this season and we get some more uh, interesting and fun baseball to watch as opposed to a bunch of pitchers duels. And I'm not, I mean, I'm a fan. I'm a, I'm a baseball purist. I love baseball. I'll take a pitcher's duel all day, but I understand what they're trying to market and how we're trying to save this sport. We joke. It's not America's pastime anymore. Uh, it's really not. The sport does need saving. Uh, I don't think that they have any sort of leadership in place to try to save them. Rob Manfred is an absolute fucking idiot. So yeah. Uh, that's that's where we are right now with the spin rate controversy. So let's see where we go from here. Okay. All right. So only only baseball could have such a dorky uh, <laughs> fucking. You're using <laughs> sticky stuff on your hands. Yeah. Uh, oh, where, right, where, where'd you put it? Did you put it on your pants or on your hat? Like what the hell? Okay. Well, so whatever. Just another example of their of their leadership. Whatever. Indeed. Indeed. So. Looking around the league, though, a couple surprises maintain the Giants, who I've basically been shitting on since episode one of this podcast, um, <laughs> continue to be the best team in the National League. They are the best team in baseball by winning percentage with Tampa Bay right behind them. So the Rays and the Giants are the two best teams in baseball. Um, I mean, Tampa Bay is the defending AL champs. Cool. Very understandable, even despite... Uh, the short season, last season, their team, I mean, it, it was put together with pitching and consistent hitting. So it's not really a big surprise that Tampa Bay is back up there. Um, it's the Giants that continue to surprise. Evan Longoria, uh, career resurgence this year, having a pretty good season. Just hit the IL. Uh, it's going to be a 10-day stay for, for Longoria. So we'll see how that affects them. But... For the See, most when part, you say when you say ten day, it's not gonna, it's not a ten day injury, right? Just, right. He's not on the sixty day, is what you're saying. He's not on the sixty day, so it's possible that they get him back um, pretty soon. Well, they but, said four to six weeks. I just read that on a left shoulder strain. It is four to six weeks. Oh wow, as of yesterday, I did not realize that they had put him out there for so long. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's going to be a long he's, one. He's batting two eighty. Um, he's got 11 doubles, 30 RBIs, over 161 at-bats, nine home runs. 
again, this is this is Tampa Bay, Evan Longoria. This has been a lot of fun for the Giants fans, I'm sure, to watch. So that sucks that he's going to be out. Let's see how this affects them and see who they can slide in at third base to replace him. Uh, Brandon Crawford has been outstanding for them. Keeps just uh, having an amazing year at the plate. He's, I believe, hitting over 280. Uh, let's see. 262 he... with a 262? 900 OPS. Dude, a 900 OPS. Uh, 12 home 37, runs, though, in 37 months. RBIs, 12 home runs, 21 extra base hits. So he's uh, he's got he's got 43 hits on the season and 21 of them have gone for extra bases. So he's definitely uh, hitting in clutch situations. He's driving in runs. He's hitting the ball into the outfield and into the gaps. It's not he's not just uh, dribbling the ball around to to get you know cheap singles and stuff like that. So the Giants apparently are for real. I still can't name anybody on their pitching staff, and I'm not even gonna try. So that just kind of goes to show how amazing this season has been for the Giants. Uh, it's clearly the best division in baseball, the NL West. Um, the Dodgers and the Padres are the third and fourth best team in the league. So you've got three out of the five teams in the division uh, at the top of the league, basically. So Dodgers and Padres, not a lot to say about them. They are doing what we expected them to do coming into the season. Uh, Fernando Tatis is incredible. Manny Machado has not had a letdown season for the most part. It's I think it's good that, you know, he's not just looked at the only $300 million guy in that infield or on that team. It kind of took a lot of pressure off of him, which uh, I think is going to help his performance. Tatis doesn't seem to have shied away from any of that spotlight or that pressure that comes with another $300 million uh, contract. Bro, that guy is just so he's, good. He really like, is It's such so a good. stupid sport, and this guy just, like, Every time I'm like, oh, I'm not going to watch baseball anymore. I'll pull up a highlight of him, like, hitting a ball under the train tracks in freaking Minute Maid Park. Like, what in the hell is this? This is ridiculous. And that was, I think, down a run in the eighth or something like that. Like, they're never cheap, too. They're always st- something that puts them ahead or brings them closer or, or ties the game or something. They're always just – It's incredible. He's, he's uh, so good. He's hitting 292. He's got an OPS over 1,000. At uh, 10.58, 17 home runs, which I think is tied for the league lead, 39 RBIs. He's stolen 13 bases through – how many games have we even played? doesn't even tell me, but it's uh, – It's almost 60 games, and he's missed 15 of them. That's insane. So he's missed 15, and, and I think he's one behind the league lead in home runs. And he's like third in stolen bases, but he's missed 25% of the season. It's nuts. It's nuts. It – Really is nuts. I'm checking. I'm curious to see who the home run leader is now. It's the, I think it's Vladdy. Uh, is it? Did he take the lead? Yeah, he's at 18. And then Tatis. Yeah. And Tatis, Ronald Acuna, and, of course, the stud that is Jesse Winker are at 17 <laughs> in second place. Um, but let's not shit on Jesse Winker. Jesse Winker from the Reds is having one of the best statistical seasons in the league. He's hitting... Uh, mind you, we are yeah, we are in June. He's hitting 350 with slugging 665 with an OPS over a thousand, also 17 home runs, 37 RBIs. Um, Jesse Winker has never been able to stay healthy. So if this is what a healthy Jesse Winker looks like, then that's pretty crazy. This is uh an incredible season he's putting up together so far. I, again, it's early. Uh, the dude tends to get hurt, so I would I'm pulling for him. I want to see him get through the whole season. 
but man, he is kicking ass this year. Yeah, uh, that Reds that Reds team, I don't understand how they are not great because Winker's great, Castellanos is great. Um, I guess that's kind of the end of the list because Suarez, <laughs> Suarez and Votto haven't done anything for that squad yeah. this season. So, and their and Luis Castillo, was, yeah, was Luis Bauer. Castillo has been awful. Yeah, Luis Castillo has been awful. So, I guess that explains that with the Reds. But so we've got that going on. Uh, Boston continues to make their push. They're the second best team in the American League. They beat the Marlins today in a makeup game, five three up in Fenway. So they continue to just chug along, which is uh, incredible because I did not expect uh, Boston to be the second best team in the league, much less in that division, which they are. We're really still expected the Yankees to, I guess, not suck. But here we are with uh, the Red Sox being a good team again. Uh, Xander Bogarts has been awesome. Uh, Rafael Devers is all right. Nathan Ivaldi, Nick Pavetta, these pitchers keep pulling their own, and they haven't had uh, this incredible regression to their career means, which has been outstanding. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure still at this point that that will happen at some point. So unless the bats start absolutely destroying opposing pitching, uh, this Red Sox story may not end as happy as it's going right now. But – uh, that keeps on happening. Uh, what else have we got that's interesting out there in the league that I saw? Oh, the Brewers. The Brewers have jumped in the first place in the NL Central. They have won nine of their last ten games. Christian Yelich has been uh, injured this year. He has been on the IL. He is back from the IL, but he is still playing like hot garbage. Fantasy advice, if you have Christian Yelich, hold the faith. I'm sure it's coming. If you don't, this might be a good time to try to buy low on Christian Yelich because, again, I do think that he will come back unless the injuries – the injuries don't seem like it should be anything nagging. It's lower back tightness and stuff like that. Nothing about surgery, nothing long-term has been mentioned. So he should get better. This team is managing to win, though, with um, without – I mean, he's a, an MVP player. Uh, without him playing up to his – even playing sometimes or playing up to his best, they have managed to pull out 9 out of 10 – they still have, I think, a negative five run differential on the season. So they are not a great team. They have managed to put it together for two weeks. And then they find themselves a half a game ahead of the Cubs in their division. The Cubs, who are very fun to watch. If you don't love Javi Baez, um, then you're not watching baseball, right? Um, and now the Cubs are just a half a game behind them. But they're just so much fun to watch. Looking forward to a couple series between those teams coming up. Um, anything around the league? I know you haven't been all over baseball lately, but anything around the league that's been catching your attention or you want to talk about? Uh, I mean, honestly, Tatis is, is it. The, the young guys in general, um, all the, the former players, kids that are sort of dominating the league, are, I think. I mean, we mentioned Vladdy already. Uh, that kid is – I mean, it's weird that they play in a minor league park, and I think they moved up to Buffalo now, right? They did. They the, just the moved to Buffalo uh, this past week, yep. And that's another minor league park, right? Uh, it is, but it's at least their own minor league park. <laughs> oh, the, the Dunedin one is theirs too. No, the Dunedin one is yeah. theirs. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it looks ridiculous, but the kid is just so darn good. Um, well, I mean, the Blue Jays are filled with former players, kids, but. Yeah, yeah just, Bichette, uh, Bichette's been, uh, Biggio, is, Kevin Biggio's been whatever. No, Bichette, Bo Bichette's been outstanding uh, again this year. Um. Yeah, I mean, the future, the stars are there for this sport, right? 
And yeah. they they need to again leadership is huge, but they need to to get somebody to put it together for them. I mean, between people like Aaron Judge, uh, Juan Soto, Vladdy, the all the all the Blue Jays guys that we were talking about up there, uh, Xander Bogarts up in Boston, like you have Acuna and Freddie Freeman down in Atlanta, Mike Trout on the West Coast, you have stars in markets that you can do something with. You need somebody in charge who knows, who has an inkling of a freaking idea of what to do. Um, because at this point, it's not a talent issue. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a marketing issue. The talent is out there. They, these baseball players are as or more exciting to watch from a skill level to a physical specimen level than any other athletes in this sport over the last 50, 60 years. Yet it's now at the lowest point in viewer rating. It draws the least attention of the major sports in the country. Um, if it, Honestly, if they didn't have such a long season, ESPN wouldn't even give a shit about baseball. Um, yeah. That sucks, man. I'm a huge baseball fan. I love baseball. It was my first love of a sport more than basketball or football or anything like that. So I want to see it succeed. I don't want to see the Martins get moved out of Miami uh, because, they again, there's nobody to support them. So I hope that they can get their shit together as a league and, and try to do this. Because, again, the star power is there, and they're young. They're all under 24, 25 years old, right? These are guys that you can market for the next 10 years and really build something off of. Um, you can build out into the international community with a lot of these kids. Vlad yeah. is, is Dominican. Um, Acuna is from Curacao. Like, you can reach out, and it's not just reaching inside the U.S. too. So um, hopefully they can get it together, man. But that's that's coming. Speaking of the yeah. Marlins, um, our bullpen is awful. We have lost nine of the last ten games, including today. We lost three out of four to the fucking Pirates. Um, Ooh. Our bullpen has blown five five games in the last 10. We've ended up losing nine out of the 10 of them. Our starting pitching has been uh, better than you can ask for. It has been good enough to definitely get us some more wins than this. But the bullpen continues to let us down. It, uh, it sucks. We've got some good starting pitching, and it's going to waste. Sandy went... Uh, eight innings the other night and was given like one run in support. I do, I do believe we managed to hold on to the win on that one, but uh, it's stuff like that. Trevor Rogers getting killed, not killed. He's getting uh, his games taken out from under him uh, after going five, six, seven innings. And uh, it's not been fun to be a Marlins fan lately. We can't score any runs. And when we do, we let the other team score more runs than us. And that's not a great way to win games. It's not. It's not. That was a very obvious statement, but I'm going to take it anyway. Um, you guys, you're, you're the funny thing about the Marlins, like from an outsider's perspective, it's like you've had two championships, almost like the Bucks. Like you had two championships, but yet every other season, it seems, has been depressing as shit. And, and what you've existed for like 30 years, you've had like two or three great years and like 27 shitty ones. <laughs> it's a really weird combination like i don't have the top of the mountain peak stuff with the indians that you do but we've definitely been better overall over the yeah. last like 25 years so that's i mean always the funny thing about the marla i mean i clearly would take the titles over <laughs> being good for that's a decade. what i'm saying i don't care about that's what that. i was gonna say i was like man i don't know what it feels like to be good for a decade and to have multiple postseason appearances 
But man, I'll take those two fucking World Series runs. Oh, those, absolutely. Those, that those sixty days combined were some of the best sports memories of my life. Yeah. Um, no, I get it. So yeah, I'm it. taking them. I'm keeping them, and then we'll drown in our misery for two decades after that. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's yeah. bound to end at some point. This is our twenty eighth season. I, yeah. This is our twenty eighth season. Okay, so two good um, ones no, and twenty five shitty ones. Yeah, this is our 29th season. Excuse me. <laughs> we our first, our inaugural season was ninety three. So next year okay. will be our nineteenth year, twentieth season. So this is I'm sorry, thirtieth. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, thirtieth. Yeah. I remember when we were doing twenty years. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's uh, that's our Marlins roundup. Not much to talk about. Not a lot to be proud about. But those are my boys, and I'm sticking with them. Yeah. I'll I'll throw the obligatory Indian stuff in there. Shane Bieber's still really good. Adam Savelle leads the league and wins. Uh, our offense is shitty besides for Jose Ramirez. And somehow we're in second place in a game out of the wild card with a negative 15 run differential. I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. We just lost two or three to Baltimore. But here we are. Uh, I'm going to throw this in. I didn't want to interrupt you and take away your steam with the, with the Marlins stuff. But I'm just going to throw this in. I don't think baseball is going to be fixed. And I, I know it's hard to tie this in and they probably have to do a whole separate podcast on it, but I don't think you're ever going to fix it until you get a salary cap. And, and I know we've talked about this offline before, uh, but I just, I, I don't see how you bring the whole country in that doesn't like the, the Red Sox or the Dodgers or the Yankees uh, without just being their farm teams. And, and I, I'm, I'm always going to feel that way. A lot of it is because I'm a fan of a small market team in all major sports um football that doesn't matter because of the salary cap for the most part basketball it doesn't matter because we i think we have when lebron came back the second time i think two of those four years we had the highest salary uh total in the history of the nba so clearly that didn't matter we also have the second richest owner so that doesn't hurt uh but in baseball, it's just a disaster because you you just you can't compete with these guys and you'll have outliers like, you know, San Diego with their $700 million left side of the infield. But uh, otherwise, it's just it's, – it's not possible to compete with them on the same level. I don't – so I get that. I don't think that that's necessarily the case. I mean, the Yankees have won World Series title in the last 25 years. Or 20, and I understand 20, that. 22 years, whatever. Um, right? The, the Red Sox, sure, they have a couple in there. The Dodgers have won. Like these big market teams who are supposed who are breaking the bank, I, they're not the issue. I think I don't think a salary cap is a solution. Floor is what this this sport needs. It's too um, it's too beneficial for these owners to field a farm team and rake in the benefits of their TV contracts and the revenue streaming in this sport. It's the only sport that in basketball, you've got such a small roster that the other owners would eat you alive if you tried some shit like this. You have to, even the bad teams in basketball. Well, they do have a floor. They do have a floor in basketball. And okay, if, so if we, you're below the floor, you have to, um, you have to you, give all your current players a raise. You have to divide the money out equally amongst uh, the roster uh, and pay it okay. to all your players. So it's not, so there's no incentive in you having low end players on your team with football. There's so much money in being even relatively good in that sport that there's, again, no incentive to be bad to try to only get the revenue split money um, because 
I, I, if I'm not mistaken, in the NFL, the better you do, the higher your share is in in like what they're making. I believe that's why everybody's always trying to get better in the NFL, and you don't see this obvious uh, non-effort to be competitive. That's I think that a, a floor, a salary floor in baseball will do wonders for the competitiveness of the sport versus a salary cap. Because even with a cap, like, yeah, okay, so you'd have a couple of the mid-liar, like the, the, the middle teams who you can tell, like, sometimes they go for it, sometimes that you can see them take their foot off the gas. Like, okay, they'll be more compelled to try to go out and get a couple of the good players because all the good players have to theoretically be more spread out across teams. But the teams like the Marlins or right now the Indians – who don't give an absolute shit to try to win. They're just literally trying to raise their bottom dollar the most, right? Have the lowest payroll and try to get in the most revenue. Salary cap isn't going to change their to this. They're the ones ruining. I'm not, I'm sorry to say it, but teams like the Marlins are the teams that are all because whenever we do get anybody good, we trade them for 40 other prospects that we can pay $25,000 a year for the next six years. And, you know, maybe a couple of them get us to the playoffs and we have a run while they're still on affordable deals before, again, we trade them or they walk in free agency. Like, I love Jose Fernandez. Jose Fernandez is probably the best player this franchise has had in the last 25 years. Jose Fernandez would have walked from this team in free agency uh, because we would have never paid him you, what he deserves. Yeah, you would have traded him. You would have traded him. Right. Would have I traded mean, him. sure, that's probably actually what would have happened. Absolutely. But he would have never been a long-term solution here because... This is that's just not how that front office did it. Now, in all fairness, we do have a different front office right now. Uh, they are the front office that traded away an entirely all star slash MVP outfield to start their tenure here. So that was a shitty start to it. But I think they're trying to create a winning team. So I'm not, I wasn't trying to shit on this particular regime, man. But the Samson Loria one behind this, they were really a big part of, of ruining baseball and. and uh, kind of an example of how to run a team if you're going to run it as uh, purely a business and not a competitive sporting team. So, I, again, I think a salary floor would do better for this game than a cap because, uh, again, it's not like it's Dodgers-Yankees every year in the World Series anyway. So, Well, part of me agrees with you. And, again, I, I don't want to go too far because we'll, we'll – We've done 45 minutes on baseball. We've yeah. done 45 <laughs> minutes on baseball. Fuck, who's yeah. telling me it's not America's pastime, damn it? Um, <laughs> oh, we could spend 20 minutes talking about Julio Jones. Uh, we can. Here's, here, here's the only counterpoint I have to that is the same Tampa Bay Rays you were just mentioning before. They do want to win. They don't want to spend money. I believe that's technically where the Indians lie as well. I think they do want to win, but they can't afford to keep their guys. And – when there's always some giant number out there, like, you know, what Fernando uh, or uh, Francisco Lindor was going to get from the Mets, mm-hmm. the Indians were never paying that guy more than a quarter billion dollars. It just wasn't right. going to happen. Um, and, and, you know, those types of deals are only possible because there's teams out there that can just make up any number they want. And that's what and they can pay it. these guys. No, for sure. But so, but look at Fred, look at Lindor's, uh, performance so far, right? Since that contract, I, I get it, I get it. But that's that's just he's he's gone from small town Cleveland to to New York, and it's going to take him a year or two. He'll be fine. As much as I like to rag on him right now, he'll be fine. Even if it's next year, he'll be fine. He's too good to not figure it out. But 
you know, it, it just I, that's that's the, the majority type of stuff that makes me upset. So far, the majority of those larger than life contracts have not worked out well for the teams offering them. Um, it's going to get to a point where you have to start looking at that as a fucking smarter business move. And like, uh, I mean, honestly, like wow contracts, we've got pool holes. We've got um, obviously the Machado one. We've got the Tatis one, the trout one. There's a couple that are out there now. And, and obviously the jury is out on them. The, the pool holes one. It's very clear that did that work out for the angels. They didn't even make the playoffs with him. Um, so there's no, but you know where it typically does work out is when there's more than one, when you, you can't like, it's, it's where you don't have just the one guy like Bryce Harper in, in Philadelphia, they got that one guy and then they can't do anything else where the Dodgers have four or five of those guys. And lo and behold, they're in the world series the last three, four years. Like that's not a mistake. And that's the type of stuff I'm talking about. We, we can move on. I just, that, that'll be that'll be uh, a good it's a good be uh, my thing, man. <laughs> good counterpoint conversation to have so that we can go back and forth on. So um, cool. So we've done a lot of baseball talk. I love it. Uh, let's move on to a couple of other things before we wrap up episode seven. So Julio Jones is now a uh, member of the Tennessee Titans. So this was not a surprise. I mean, maybe it was a surprise as to where he landed. It was not a surprise that Julio Jones was going to be traded. The The Falcons needed a clear cap space to sign their incoming uh, rookie class. So right off the bat, not great cap management, right? You, you kind of, you know, you're going to have a draft class. You know how many picks you have well advance of the draft. Well oh, they, they the knew this was coming. Year. They like, knew this was coming in December. Right. If you didn't, but it, it, my point is, 12 months ago, if they didn't want it to go down like this, they were the ones in control of that. They, they oh, let yeah. it get to a point where now this was the money that needed to be sacrificed. Yeah. Um, and to make and when, we were having, when we were having conversations during draft time about why they should take someone like Justin Fields instead of another receiver, it was for stuff like this. You could have gotten rid of Matt Ryan, still yeah. had Julio Jones, and drafted Justin Fields. <laughs> right. And now, exactly. now you're surrounding a rookie quarterback with like three Pro Bowl receivers. Like – that makes more sense than paying Matt Ryan $36 million. And now you have no Julio Jones. So, you know, I, right. I know that they played a lot without him last year anyway, because he was hurt. He was hurt but right. now it's Calvin well, Ridley well and for Justin him, so. Cage or Gage or whatever. So, I, I mean, mean, it's Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts, but yeah. that's a very unfair thing to do to Kyle Pitts right now. Right. Right. And, and uh, what you're going to put Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan with those two guys and here, go win us the NFC South with Tom Brady and it. Come on, yeah. man. What's the I mean, point? And, and Julio, Julio's, I mean, even last year, he only played in nine games uh, and had 700 yards. But before that, one, two, three, four, five. In the six years before that, he didn't have less than 1,400 yards. He had a 1,394 season. So I'll call it 1,400. Dude's a monster. Yeah, he doesn't catch the touchdowns, but that was something to do with that offense. We're all pretty convinced of that. He's yeah, average. whatever. Over a hundred yards games, uh, over a hundred yards receiving per game in like six seasons. He's a monster. He's a beast. So now yeah. you're gonna put him uh, in an offense across from AJ Brown, who, AJ right, Brown is very quickly becoming one of my favorite football players out here, just because of his personality. For anybody who hasn't seen his video um, after they signed. 
who after they traded for Julio Jones, he's out there and he's just like, man, Tannehill, uh, Mr. Finger Roll, this dude gets the job done. He's a leader. He can he can do it. Uh, he starts looking at uh, at Derrick Henry. He's like, this guy, I, he speaks for himself. Look how scary he looks in this picture. Like he's just a monster. Um, he's like me, second year Pro Bowl, not a big deal, but kind of a big deal. Anyway, moving on. Like, dude is great. Dude's hilarious, and he is awesome. He's uh, over a thousand yards both of his seasons so far in the NFL. Like he let us know, he was a Pro Bowl selection last year. He had eleven touchdowns last year, uh, eight the season before. So he's obviously a very uh, great target for Ryan Tannehill. Man, Ryan Tannehill is fucking awesome. I'm a Dolphins <laughs> fan. I was, and I will stand out here and scream. I was a Tannehill supporter while he was still in town. It's one of those that you don't know how you how good you got it until he's gone. Um, we've luckily been able to bounce back pretty quick. It hasn't been a. I mean, we went from him to Fitzpatrick, which was great, to Tua now, which will hopefully be great. But Tannehill is really good. Tannehill is better than what he should be, considering he didn't play freaking quarterback until his second year in college. Um, I guess into his third was when he was a junior, basically. Uh, he's he's been a Pro Bowler. Last year, he had 3,800 yards passing. He threw for 33 touchdowns. He only turned the ball over seven times. Uh, season before that with Tennessee, same deal, 22 touchdowns after he took over halfway for Mariota, six interceptions. AFC Championship game la- uh, that year, uh, another playoff and division title last year. Now you put Julio Jones in this offense, along with Derrick Henry, who's already in there. Um, this is and a defense that it's no slouch with a very tough defensive-minded head coach in Mike Vrabel. This is a team that can really automatically elevate themselves into the conversations we've had about coming out of the AFC. I think that this move puts them up there with KC, Cleveland, and Buffalo. Uh, I think that they are the fourth team now on that tier. What do you think? Uh, I, I think Julio's health is enough of a concern that I'm, I'm not sure how much it actually changes the season for him. Uh, it's kind of the way that you look at JJ Watt going to the Cardinals. Like I would have loved him to come to Cleveland, but like, do you expect JJ Watt to finish the season in Arizona? Like, do you expect him to be healthy in game or week 17 or 18 or whatever the hell it is? But that's different because JJ Watt gets is hurt. It? He gets hurt every year. And hey, in well, the past, Julio Jones is not getting younger. I understand he's not getting younger, but he doesn't show the same track record. He's played at least 14 games every season since 2014, except for last year where he played nine. It So he, JJ Watt has a more consistent track record of missing yeah. a lot of games. So I'm yeah. not gonna I'm not gonna do that to Julio because yeah he's 32, but he doesn't he hasn't been one of those guys that you know uh, you can bank uh, he's gonna miss you know four games a season like it's not that I mean JJ Watt he played 16 games last year shut the fuck up uh, eight <laughs> before that but this is what I'm saying t- 16 right but then eight 16 again five and three so since 2016. Uh, that is f- five seasons. He has played two complete seasons out of those five. So JJ Watt, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to put. Yes, I'd be more astounded that if he walked out of, you know, if he had a 16 or a 17 in this case this year with uh, Arizona. But I think it's much more likely that Julio Jones has that than I think it's more likely Julio has a good season than it is JJ Watt has a full season. 
Well, and and I do think he'll have a good season. Uh, and we'll have to compare what him and Corey Davis both did last year. But I'm not sure how much different that is from – besides for maybe just taking the top off the defense, I guess, a little bit. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I probably would have put Tennessee in that range anyway with Baltimore and Indianapolis. Um, I mean, I think that's I think the six. above them now. Uh, sure, yeah. but those two are five and six then. Sure, sure. I'm fine with that. If you want to put okay. Tennessee fourth, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. And then I would assume that the Dolphins would be the next one on that little ladder there. Uh, if not, yeah, I want to say so too. Five and six. I'm absolutely, I absolutely want to say so. Um, well, you're so on the record going 13 and four. So we I, are going to be, be higher gonna than go, that. So we're going to go 13 and four. Um, oh, <laughs> show. So for sure. You got to be careful with your guarantees. Your track record isn't so great right now. Yeah. We'll we're still going to get to that though. We're yeah, still going to yeah, get yeah. to that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, so all right, that's well. what we've got on Julio Jones. He's now part of the Titans. The Titans should be a very good football team this hey, year. Real, real, yep. real quick. Cause I should have thrown this in before. Um, what do you think about what uh, Atlanta got for him? Oh, I think that there should have been a line of teams trying to offer that or more. It was a two and a four. A two this year and a four the next year. So this yep. year being still 11 months from now. Yeah. Um, I think that – I think Indianapolis should have been on the phone trying to offer a first and a fifth. I think if, I think if you accept a two and a four, I think you take a one and a five. Um, or even a one and a four. Like it's Julio freaking Jones. And if you're one of those teams in this – group that we were talking about. So uh, maybe not Cleveland because you're pretty set at wide receiver, but Buffalo, I'm sorry, but Stefan Diggs and Julio Jones sounds way better than Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley um, or whatever. So that I would have been a team going after them. The Dolphins, even with Will Fuller, Jalen Waddle and Devontae Parker on the team, I would have still been going after him if it was, especially we have so much draft draft capital still. Uh, I think that would have made sense. Um, I also think that I'm kind of surprised that Tampa Bay didn't just throw everything out there. Uh, oh, they don't need him. Yeah, yeah need but him. they didn't need Antonio Brown halfway through the season either, and there he was. Well, but Antonio Slot. Brown came for came for two hundred thousand dollars, not twenty million or whatever Julio's making. I mean, they this had to true. they had to squeeze their uh, all their guys back under the salary cap. That was the biggest thing was getting these uh, getting his contract. And I, I just read today, that's part of why I was asking, I just read today that they didn't get the uh, the type of package they were hoping for because of his salary, were, which makes yeah, sense. Yeah, because they were making teams eat the uh, eat the thick. I mean, they should have probably eaten some – not to pick the money. They should have probably eaten some of the money to entice somebody giving them a first. But yeah. if you're able to get rid of the money and then keep a second um, – I mean, I guess from the Atlanta point of view, it sucks that you had to trade away Julio Jones, but you kind of accomplished your mission. You're going to sign probably his replacement in the offense in Kyle Pitts in terms of targets and eating up yards and the rest of your draft class for it and start building from there. Good luck with 34-year-old Matt Ryan or whoever. (laughs) You know, the the funny thing about the NFL is like – rarely do top receivers like make that big of a difference with the team like the the number of top receivers that have actually won titles is like few and far between it's always teams that seem to be able to piece their wide receiver core together which is always kind of funny because those top receivers in the league if you go through the top five every year they're they're never on teams that are like 
right. you know, at the end of the season in the in the AFC or NFC championship games, it's they're always like already Wright's at home. And like well, team. right. That's part of what made him so amazing is is he was always you know above and beyond where everybody else was at the time. Yeah. So yeah. T O T O Super Bowl appearance, no wins. Randy Moss Super Bowl appearance, no wins. Right. Uh, Calvin Johnson, no playoff appearances. Right. Um, so Julio yeah, Jones, good point. one one Super Bowl. One Super uh, Bowl although Beckham, no zero Super Bowls. DeAndre Hopkins, like multiple playoff appearances, but bleh. That's it. Yep. Yeah. That's interesting. It's, that's uh, same with Larry Fitzgerald. What? Two, one Larry Super Bowl, Fitzgerald. no wins. Right. That is. Uh, that's interesting. I had not looked at that from that like perspective. That's pretty interesting too. We should probably look into that and see. Um, What's up with that? Because that's right. actually very. Because we probably the the five Super Bowls, what? Yeah, six five Super Bowls that Tom Brady won with the Patriots. You probably couldn't name all of their. I mean, it was Danny Amendola mm. and Julian Edelman and, and crap right. like that. Where you're just because like, it wasn't even a welcome okay. team because that was the right. Moss team. Right, right, yeah, and they right they lost. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. The, the um, one of the three that he lost. So yeah. it, it just it's it's a very weird thing that just that doesn't seem to equate to winning. Because I was real excited when we got Odell, and then you go through that list, you're like, I don't know that that necessarily helps, but whatever. Yeah, I guess I guess the the correlating factor there would probably be well, I mean, not really Joe Montana, yeah, but then you're talking about we just talked about Tom Brady and one of the best offensive seasons in history. Yeah, he lost the Super Bowl, so I'm not even yeah. gonna go down that path. I mean, really, really, the ones that I would say, and I don't know if you can you consider Tyreek Hill a top five receiver in the NFL, but the Chiefs winning with him. And then the Bucks winning with uh, with Antonio Brown and um, and Mike Evans and and Chris Godwin, but Mike Evans Mike specifically, Evans, like he's a top any, yeah, five Mike, receiver. Mike Evans on that team, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's the what. But then you know, no one's ever going to say, oh, they won the Super Bowl because of Mike Evans. It's Tom Brady. So right, it, right, it, right I don't right. know. It's it's just funny how that works. Yes, it is. It's the it's the NFL. Quarterback uh, gets all the blame, and then they get all the all the glory, whether or not either are warranted or necessary. Absolutely. So, all right, so a little bit of NFL talk to hold us over until training camp, which is coming up. So there's that. So uh, I know we've gone a little long tonight, but it's been a couple weeks since we talked to everybody. So we want to make sure we give everybody a full rundown of the three major sports. Uh, So that's going to lead us in here now to the NBA playoffs. We are into the second round of the playoffs, and we're just going to go ahead and get this over with right now. Um (laughs) The Miami Heat were the only team to get swept out of the first round. They were embarrassed in three out of the four games that they played. Uh, there was nothing culture about that. <laughs> I ran my mouth like an asshole, and we <laughs> didn't even get a win. So, all right, cool. Now that we've done that, excellent. <laughs> we are moving on uh, with everything that's going on in the uh, NBA. Now, things are going to look a little different this year. This is the first time since 1998 that there will be no Miami Heat, San Antonio Spurs, Golden State Warriors, or Los Angeles Lakers in the finals. Um, That's three Western Conference teams and the Heat. That is what culture looks like, right? Oh, my God. For those who still want to question what we're doing. Listen, we're, we're done. We're done with the culture for tonight after your sweep. We're done with it. We don't need it here anymore for today. We can get that next time. No more culture. <laughs> so we're done with uh, that. The Heat have been in six finals since 1998. Oh, when it started. We've got what do we have? Five? Do we have five of them? 
Uh, you have in that in that time period we have five, five of them, right? Yes, you have yeah. five, and but you've got one title. We have one, six and three titles. One American um, title. That's right. <laughs> that's correct. So the Spurs. I mean, uh, again, the Heat. Yeah, we're the only Eastern Conference team listed there, but the Spurs have five titles in that time. The Warriors have three, uh, which is what we have, and the Lakers have five during that time. So uh, a different landscape of the NBA right now. Let's start out in the West. The West was fun. That was a fun first round. Um, Indeed. I, I will admit that I did not watch much of it uh, because something just came over me about a week ago. Uh, I can't begin <laughs> to tell you what it was, but basketball <laughs> just like repulsed me for a second. Uh, yeah. But I was keeping up. Luca is the fucking truth. Luca is I, – I know Dame is too, and we had this discussion on our all-NBA teams, but yeah. man – Luca's really good too. Yeah, uh, you really can't go wrong with either of those two. No. But let it. Let's give it up for uh, the claw, right? For Kawhi Leonard, who withstood pandemic P and still managed to <laughs> scratch the Clippers out of the first round and around Luka Doncic into the second round. Their little ploy to not have to play the Lakers. Um, almost <laughs> backfired right in their face I mean, with the Lakers. I was going to say, they don't have to play the Lakers, there, though. <laughs> yeah, they don't have to play them, but hey, you wouldn't have played them anyway, guys. Look what happened. You almost played yourself. Um, <laughs> so that is where we're at there. I think that, um, again, I think Luca's awesome. I think that the Clippers showed us right here that they are not all that great. Um, they're a good team. They're a playoff team. They have Kawhi Leonard, who's a top five player in the league. I don't doubt that at all. Um, I don't think I now don't think they can get around Utah. I think Utah might actually win this series. And I'm a big Utah critic. I'm not. A, I don't feel them very much. I'm not on that bandwagon in particular. But Clippers got heart. Came back. Made sure not to go out like a bunch of punks on their own home floor. Uh, and again, they got Kawhi, but Utah has looked really good against a good Memphis team. They still managed to take them out in four. It took them a little bit. I think I think one five. of the, five. I'm so yeah, five, five. Sorry. Um, I think one of the games, or maybe two of the games, even went to overtime. It was a good series. It was a close series, but um, yeah. With Donovan Mitchell back, and for the record, the only game Memphis won was the one game Donovan Mitchell didn't play in because they didn't play Absolutely. him in game game one for some reason. So yep. they went 4-0 and with the, the stars on the team. So, again, with Mitchell, with Conley, um, with Gobert, they, uh, they're probably going to move on into the Western Conference Finals. I don't see the Clippers, especially without home court uh, and the Staples fans behind them, really getting by this series. What do you think about this one, um, Utah and Clippers? So I, I like the way that we've done this so far because we sort of closed the bracket up here a little bit. Um, I'm I'm sort of of the opposite thought. Uh, a, Mike Connolly's hurt. He hurt his hamstring, I believe. So we we're not going to see regular normal Mike Connolly. Okay. Um, I would like to say, and and I could be wrong. I guess it depends on how you you feel about their playoff performances. But I I feel like the Clippers will have two, the two best players on the court, uh, the whole series. That means something. Um, especially yeah. in the playoffs where you can isolate someone like Kawhi, who's as deadly as he is from, uh, from mid-range. What did you say? You don't agree? No. So who is better on the Utah Jazz than Paul George? 
I think Donovan Mitchell's better than Paul George. Ooh, I'll have to I'll have to come back at you with some of that. Maybe I think maybe they're I'll just different. They're different players because Paul George is expected to do more than just score. Donovan Mitchell is pretty much just expected to score. So again, they are. They do play a different game in different roles. So I mean, but I guess if you had to tell me who I'm going to pass the ball to with my team needing something good to happen in the playoffs, I don't think there's a good reason to pick Paul George right now. So, and and that may be true. And if you're a Clippers fan, you would say, no, I wouldn't want Paul George. I'd want uh, Kawhi Leonard. Whoa, uh, right. That's not the question <laughs> that we're asking. <laughs> um, so, uh, Mitchell averages four more points in the playoffs than Paul George. Well, five. Five more points in the playoffs than Paul George. And they he actually shoots a lower percentage. So... <laughs> I mean, kind of splitting hairs a little bit. Yeah, Unfortunately, literally. Donovan Mitchell, like the Jazz, need him to score. Like that's that's because Go- Gobert's not scoring. That's what right, he, right. That's what he needs to do. Right. Conley's not there to score twenty-five. Gobert's putting up fourteen, maybe. Uh, right. You you might get eighteen and or twenty from Clarkson, but the you rest need of it's got to come from thirty-two from Mitchell. Right. 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 If you're gonna do anything, you need thirty-two from Mitchell. So the scoring is eh. Uh, to me, he's like. Diet Coke version of Dwayne Wade. Like he's not ever going to be is. Dwayne Wade. No, but not. you know he'll he'll put up he'll put up some numbers, uh, and he'll do it in more of a winning way than um, I don't know D'Angelo Russell or somebody like that who can score. And it's like I don't care that you scored twenty five. The team lost by thirty. It doesn't matter. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm sort of of the other. Now, granted, I picked the Clippers to win the title last year, so I feel yeah. a little vindicated by that series. Them coming back after being down two zero and then down. Uh, Three two, um, I was happy with how they they responded. I thought Tyloo did a good job, sort of keeping their minds in the series and not letting last year sort of bury them. Um, and then the way Kawhi exploded and decided, okay, you know, I'm granted Lucas still went off, but Kawhi made it really hard on him. So I I I don't know. I'm I'm there, and I think that's that's one of the major things that gets me about this series is. Um, a who who on the on the Jazz can guard Kawhi Leonard? Like who are you? Are you Royce O'Neal? Like is that that's where you're right. going with with your defense? I mean, you're not playing Gobert on him. Um, you're not playing Mitchell on him. I mean, he's got him by seven inches. So it, to me, I, I just <clears throat> I, I think I think the Clippers are going to have an easier time almost with the Jazz than they did with the with the Mavericks which sounds weird, but that's that's sort of the direction I'm going. I think with the, the defense that both of these teams play, um, I think it's going to come down to who can shoot the three better. Sure. They're, they're two, and, and who was the best three-point shooting team in the NBA this year? The Clippers were, uh, I believe, right at 41%. You were right. The Jazz were at 39% right behind them. Um, yeah. The Jazz do put it up. At a crazy rate, I think they. I'm pretty sure they put up the most attempts per game this season. Uh, where the Clippers were more of like we just make a regular amount of regular shots, like we make a good amount of a regular amount, uh, which is how they get to that 41. percent But the Jazz just kind of chuck it up there. So uh, as is the NBA in 2021, play a little defense, shoot some threes, and whoever makes your shots uh, is probably going to be successful in the series. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. I would agree. I, I I don't have any problem splitting it down the middle. Uh, I and I also I, I think I would be 
I wouldn't be surprised if the Clippers won four to two the series, or if the Jazz won four to one. Like neither one of those right. results it, would surprise me, honestly. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm again. I, I, I well, I think that Utah might put it together enough to get through this year. I'm not surprised if the Clippers win. I would not. I didn't pick the Clippers in. I don't think I picked the Clippers. I think I picked Luca and Dallas. Uh, in that first series. So they might just uh, make me look like an idiot again, which is cool. You know, it's, uh, uh, you know, heat and it happens. So, Hey man, that's, that's part of the the picking business. You're going to look foolish sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So let's wrap up the West side here. And uh, Dame, Damon Lillard is a treasure, a treasure to this sport and this country right now. You should appreciate everything that you're watching when you watch him play basketball especially when you watch him play basketball in the playoffs. Dude is just out of this world amazing. Yeah, that being said, he still was only managed to take two games from Denver who did not have Jamal Murray uh, and will not have Jamal Murray throughout the stretch. No, 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 no. What are your your thoughts here? Not not just Jamal Murray. Uh, No Jamal Murray, no P.J. Dozier, and no uh, Will Barton. So they were starting their fourth guard and fifth guard and Austin Rivers, who was a 10-day signee. And they still beat Dame and CJ McCollum in, in six games. <laughs> Dame, Dame had Austin Rivers visibly praying out on the court. He did. He did. That's true. And yet <laughs> he lost movie. four of six times. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. And, and um, let's go back to our runaway MVP that we talked about a couple weeks yeah. ago. That is because of Mr. Jokic. Yes, uh, and, and that's really all you can say about this series. Jokic just had – I mean, he had some passes. And, and you're talking about a league MVP, and you're talking about his passing. He had some passes that were, like, cross-court between, like, three dudes for threes in the corner for Michael Porter Jr., where you're just like, how is a center doing this? Like, how – that it's nuts. It's nuts it's what insane. that guy does. He was getting to the point where he figured out that Nurkic, who, you know, they were on the same team in Denver before uh, – before the Nuggets decided to pick Jokic and traded Nurkic. Uh, so they've practiced together. They came up together through that organization. Um, he was just spending his time getting fouls on Nurkic to start the game because he knew that was their only chance of guarding him. He'd get him into foul trouble, and and it, it was over after that. It, it was insane. Yeah. So, I mean, that's an easy series. It, it's it's going to ruin Portland. Uh, I know they're talking about Dame and CJ being back, but I don't know why. I mean, this is this is your ceiling right now unless you do something incredible. Dame um, is um, – Dave is an incredibly honorable person, it seems. He has yeah. always said he super wants loyal. to – Super loyal. Wants yeah. to make it work in Portland. Man, he needs to get out. They can't They can't reset and you beat 30. Um you, you need to go. You, I mean, he can he take, can stay. He just has to be okay with never winning, and and that's okay. Some get some guys are fine with that. That's okay. Wow. Kevin Garnett could have stayed in Minnesota his whole life, and he probably would have been fine with that. That's just who he was. He was okay being that loyal and staying. He may have regretted it after his career, but he'd be fine at the time staying there forever. I and, think and it'd I, be a shame for the league if he stayed there forever and never won anything. Listen, I get it, and and I don't disagree with you. Um, the downside of Dame is you're never going to get what he's worth, especially with his contract. So no, you're not. Yeah, you're just even even if it's four or five pieces, you're still not, and and you're going to trade him to some weird team like the Knicks or or somebody like that, where you're just sort of like, all right, I got a bunch of garbage picks, and and some of the Knicks like 
C-level prospects. Like, okay, that's great. Now we just are terrible for the next decade. So, I, I mean, you're you're not going to be great off whether you Tyler keep him Hero, or trade him. Goran Dragic, Precious yeah. Achula, Duncan Robinson in a sign-in trade, and a first-round pick sounds like a freaking phenomenal deal. So, it, it, it does. It does. So, you're telling me that the Bucks got five first-round picks for Drew Holiday or had to trade five first-round picks for Drew, but the Blazers get one for Dame Lillard. We'll throw in a second round or two. Getting, <laughs> I'm done with you. I'm done with you. Tyler Swift Hero, in the first round. The Cavs who the, and the legendary Heat had the same... Pat Riley chose over James Harden. Like, let's not. That is let's the not stupidest thing I've ever heard. Let's stupidest thing I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> okay, okay, so we got the Nuggets moving on there, and then we yeah, had. Don't don't skip over I this. Mean, I'm going to enjoy it because we're going to speed through I'm not the East. Skipping over it. This is the one. Okay. This is the fun one. So the Suns. Made me the so sons. happy because I, I don't have anything personal against LeBron. I, he brought he us did. our only title in 50 years. I love that man. But it was so great to see the stupid Lakers who get all this credit when the best thing they do is be located in Los Angeles and wear a yellow jersey. That's literally the best they do because everything else they do is ridiculous. Uh, it, it was so great to see them go out in six games and especially the way the Suns were just stunting on them at the end. Uh, yeah. After Drummond was doing the, you know, impressions and stuff of LeBron backing down Jay Crowder. And then you had Chris Paul doing it back to Drummond in game six. It was just awesome. Jay Crowder so, saw the dancing uh, in he game did. six. Was, oh. He did. And then he sprinted to the locker room like, don't care. I'm, we're winning. Goodbye. Ejected. I don't care. Yep. Bye. <laughs> that Fantastic. was um, Devin Booker's awesome. Chris Paul continues to show why he's probably the greatest point guard to ever play. Um Yeah. Booker, Bridges, Aiton. Aiton. Aiton had a fucking man series. Like, Aiton yeah. was out there. I saw DeAndre Aiton pushing around AD. Yeah. And I get AD was not – it was still while he was healthy and it wasn't even healthy, but he was out there manhandling Anthony Davis in the paint. And I was yes. like, man, this kid fucking wants it. This team is hungry. Like, I loved seeing that. Yeah. I am excited that either Jokic and the Nuggets or uh, Chris Paul and Devin Booker – and the Suns are going to be in the Western Conference Final. It's going to be one of the two. This series, um, I'm over what happened to me and my personal fandom. I will definitely be watching this series. I'm yeah, looking man. forward to seeing the those two teams in particular. Yeah, um, they're playing right now. They're 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 down. Or Denver's up one at Phoenix right now. I think that I think uh, I think the Suns are going to move into the Western Conference Finals. I will. I will keep rolling with Phoenix. I'll. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. With with Jamal Murray, I would have said Denver wins four one. But without Jamal Murray, I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, we did our first podcast. I think like a week or two after Jamal Murray got hurt, and I said uh, if we had, we had to pick people that night to pick come out of the conferences, I said the Suns. Um, I'm gonna stick with them now when when they've already done something to back me up. So. I think Phoenix moves into the Western Conference Final against either Utah or the Clippers. Yeah, I'll go with that. I'll agree with you. I'll, I'll say Phoenix too. Perfect. All right. So moving over to the uh, much less exciting but equally important uh, Eastern Conference. Let's yeah. start with, um, you know, let's start with Philadelphia and Atlanta. Atlanta dominated the New York Knicks. I really thought the Knicks were going to win that series. Oh. Trey Young, I'm not a big fan. Oh, well, okay, let's edit that. I wasn't a big fan of Trey Young until I saw him play in the playoffs. 
And now I uh, can appreciate Trey Young a little bit more. When you talk shit in the regular season and never have done anything else, I'm not too keen on being a fan of yours. Now you have done it in Madison Square Garden against a pretty legitimate-looking New York Knicks team throughout the regular season. They didn't show it in the playoffs, but whatever. We got 72 games to go off to, to judge them. Uh, Trey Young went off. Trey Young showed that he is a legitimate superstar in this league. He did it where the superstars do it in the playoffs. He didn't shy away from it. He's not got a ton of help, right? Clint Capella's good. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, maybe a little Danilo Gallinari. But John the, Collins, he's John Collins. You, can't, you gotta give John Collins some credit. But uh, he's by far the best player on that team, and he is carrying that team. Uh, and he's carried them right into the second round. Uh, what do you think of, of Mr. Young? Uh, I'm the same as you. I've, I've always thought Trey Young was kind of empty. Um, I was impressed. I believe I picked Atlanta to win that series. Uh, yeah, I thought did. it was going to go seven. Um, so I was I was impressed at how quickly they dispatched to the Knicks. They they clearly have more talent than the Knicks did. So I wasn't super surprised about that. I was surprised about how quickly they put it together. Um, so I, that that was cool. Uh, Trey Young in general, I'm I'm getting there, but I'm not quite there yet after six career playoff games. I'm feeling the same a way you could now though. Yeah, yeah. The same way you couldn't crown Luca last year after six playoff games, even though he averaged thirty and eight and seven on yeah. the Clippers, you still couldn't be like, oh Luca, like now the second year, okay, Luca. Yes, absolutely. So Trey's got to go a little bit further. Now yesterday was I mean it didn't close That's a good as step well in as the right started. direction. It was. No it was no it didn't but yes. You can take. I mean, so they took a game from Philly in Philly. That that's uh, that's something. Yeah, it is. It is. And and despite, like I said, despite how they closed, um, I, I do think that that they they're going to be a tough out. They really are. So, I mean, I'm still picking Philly. Obviously, uh, Embiid, even with a partially torn MCL, is still out there dunking on people and scoring 36. So I, that was uh, reassuring. With the with if you're a Sixers fan, so right, um, I do th- still think Philadelphia's going to win the series. They're probably looking at like a four-two type of series. Maybe it goes seven, but I I would guess more four-two Philly. Yeah, Philly. Um, <clears throat> they dispatched of the Wizards quite easily in that first round. The Wizards managed to get one, like we both thought they would. They didn't get that second one that I had maybe anticipated. Um, so Wizards did their thing. You know, it was what it was. We knew it was happening. They were sacrificed to the to the one seed. Uh, and Philadelphia moved into the second round. But, yeah, Philly's down 0-1, lost home court yesterday to the Hawks. Um, again, it really was the first half that damned them. They were down, like, 25 at halftime. They had given up 70 points or some nonsense like that, 72, 74, something like that, uh, yeah. by halftime to, to Atlanta. Atlanta came out stale in the second half, and Philly got right back into it. Um, but Atlanta did manage to close it out and keep that one uh, and keep that lead and finish up with a 1-0 series lead. Now uh, I'm with you. I think the Sixers do take this series, but man, go Hawks. Let's do this. Let's let's get really fuck shit up in here. Like man, the NBA would really shit themselves if uh, if Atlanta is in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, that just I, means a sweep for the Nets. I mean, that's no big I deal. Mean, Everything needs to sweep for the Nets. Uh, <laughs> moving into there, speaking of the Nets, I can't believe they didn't sweep the Celtics. I am disappointed that they didn't sweep the Celtics. Well, and why didn't they sweep the Celtics? They still only lost by like eight. And how many did Jason Tatum score? Like 50, no? 52? 50. 
50. He had to he had to score fifty for them to win by eight points. That's the only reason why they didn't sweep him. So let's. I mean, good for the Celtics. You then did like weird shit with your front office and your coach. Let's, yeah, let's pause. pause. So, <laughs> so, Brad Stevens. So you can't coach him, right? But now you're gonna put the team together because Danny Ainge can't connect to this particular yeah. generation of players and, anymore. Yeah, and, and where are you gonna find a coach that's as good as Brad Stevens? Like, oh, I'm I'm here for higher. Who are you gonna go higher? I don't. This I is, don't, yeah. This is this has got all of the makings of a very, very watered down uh, Pat Riley in the front office, Stan Van Gundy on the bench, and the front office guy still being a better coach than the actual coach, and it just being an ongoing issue until Brad Stevens ends up back on the freaking sidelines. Right. Because they hired Jeff Van Gundy and wants to kick him in the face. If it's if it's a freaking Van Gundy and this thing goes down exactly the same way, I'm gonna laugh. My, I'm gonna laugh at it. Now the difference <laughs> is that when Stevens takes over for the Van Gundy, it's not gonna result in a title like it did with Riley and the 06 Heat. But uh, it's still funny the parallels that that it looked like we are headed down in that particular uh, avenue. Because yeah, Brad Stevens is more than likely Brad Stevens, the GM, was more than likely not going to be able to find somebody who he thinks is better than Brad Stevens, the head coach. That's right. going to be your fundamental problem in this entire search from day one. This is right. why you need to have someone else try to hire this coach. Um, this is just dumb all around. I mean, at least Danny Ainge was never the head coach of the Celtics, right? He always had this uh, kind of level mentality when he went into that position uh, in terms of picking a coach. There was no ego involved. Whereas right. now it's like, oh, I got to pick my own replacement, but nobody can replace me because I'm Brad Stevens and I almost won two titles at Butler with Gordon right. Hayward. Um, <laughs> I'm really talking a lot of shit about him. Brad Stevens is a great coach, but yeah. again, we're, we, we're arguing is that he's not going to be able to hire somebody better than himself. And he kind of knows it. And that's going to kind of, I think that's going to shoot that whole coaching search in the foot. Um, unless they get absolutely super lucky with like a staff guy that they know is like the next, you know, Eric Spolster or whatever, which yeah. I doubt that, that Larry Nega guy is the only one that I'm like, Ooh, that might be, that might be worthwhile. Cause I've seen like Sam Cassell, uh, and and someone said Evan Turner, um, and then and then the Laranega is the one that's been he's like their defensive coordinator on their staff for the last like seven eight years. I think maybe the whole time Brad mm-hmm. Stevens has been there, that might be mm-hmm. the one guy where you're like, okay, they they communicate real well, they they have a real good working relationship. He was on the bench with with Stevens the whole time, so maybe he'd be okay with it. But I don't know. It's it, that was just so weird. Like you clearly. We're gonna flame out like this, matching up in the first round with the Nets, and then you do something weird like that. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, we'll um... we'll blow by the uh, the recap of the Heat uh, series. They just they they didn't show up. I think they were still exhausted from the bubble as much as a of a mirage. I felt like that was. Um, but the the Bucks the Bucks look like they sort of spent it all on the Heat. <laughs> they did, and and that's um, mentally we destroyed them apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, they yeah they we they didn't won show. their title in the first round. We played like shit. Game one, we went, we jumped out to a lead. We almost won the game. We went into overtime. It was super competitive. There's we might have we should have probably won that game in overtime. Um, and so like you're feeling good, and then they absolutely took our lunch money and shoved their foots super far up our asses for the next three games. It was embarrassing. I'm a Heat fan. And as a shame as I am to say it, I stopped watching this series halftime of game two. I did not watch anything else the rest of the way. I don't care. It was <laughs> awful. 
And um, I still ride or die with my team. Those are my guys' culture forever. We're still going to kick everybody's ass next year. Wait for it. Watch. Um, <laughs> but, man, this was a shitty series. Again, and on that, on the flip side, I think the Bucks spent all year preparing to play the Heat, and I don't think they're prepared to play anybody else. It's very obvious. They are down 2-0. That game's over, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Did you so watch down any of it? Uh, pieces of it earlier, but it was, it, it, was, was, K- it was KD just schooling people on the, on the floor. It was bad. It was, it was Blake dunking on Giannis's head. Uh, at one point, either in the third or fourth quarter, the Nets were up by 50. It was bad. It was I am really here bad. for this. Nets in three, baby, because the Bucks are going to be so mentally worn out, they won't even show up for the fourth game to take their sweep. Um, <laughs> Nets in three, man. I don't – God, there's nobody else I want to root for in the Eastern Conference, but fuck, I want these Nets to sweep these clowns. Um, so they get what they deserve. Anyway, uh, I, think even, I think even without my slight bias, it still might be Nets in four, you know. They, the Nets um, – I'm very close to say at this point, like if they don't win the title, it's a it's a ginormous letdown. They've shown it; it's there; it's possible they can do it. Now, if you don't, something terrible happens. Well, and and imagine if someone told you that you'd win the first two games by sixty points with forty three seconds of James Harden. I mean, just everybody was like, "Oh, this is the NBA Finals." I mean, I, I better hope not because this right. is embarrassing to this point. It's it's nowhere close. I mean, the Nets are on just a completely different planet. Than uh, than the Bucks are right now, so I, I hope that changes just for competitive sake. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't see how you can pick anyone other than the Nets right now. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really rooting for um, I'm I'm going I'm going for Phoenix and Brooklyn in the finals, and I think that that would be the most star-studded matchup you can probably get out of the West right now, other than Kawhi, I guess. But I think that'd be the most entertaining matchup. Just because it's going to be super high scoring, but I think at this point there's almost no stopping the Nets. Like that's a machine. They're just yeah. They're out there. They're out there destroying people. The the only way that you're going to stop the Nets is injuries. That's it. Yeah. That's and, it. I if, mean, even that is going to take multiple because, like you said, they played. They've had James Harden for 43 seconds and they destroyed Giannis and the Bucks. Right. Right. So I mean, they can probably get by Philly without Harden. I'd prefer to see him there because Philly is very. We we downgrade Philly because they've they've underachieved for four or five years, but Philly's really good. So you're probably well, going to need Harden. Philly has the biggest difference this year that they've had in the last four or five years, and that's Doc Rivers. Yeah. So Philly Philly has to be looked at as a different uh, team until they prove otherwise. So, <laughs> Doc, but, Doc Rivers is the only coach in history to blow three three one leads in the playoffs, <laughs> and it sucks that and because I think I don't think he's a bad coach. It sucks to have such a shitty mantle like on. Right on your name there like something something's hanging on like oh at least he's got a title like if right. he didn't have a title it'd be i feel so much worse for him yeah. but i think doc is a really good coach i think doc could be what this team needed to stop underachieving in the postseason and possibly live up to um the eastern conference championship aspirations that they've had for the last couple seasons but Man, I think that they're just going to – It's just. I think that when we look back in 10 years at the story of the Sixers, it was going to be they didn't do enough at the beginning when they had the chance, and then this Nets team just rolled in, and this Nets team is going to be around for a minute. And I just – I don't see it happening for Philly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's it's injuries. You get lucky with the right – you know, KD turns an ankle or something, and, yeah. and he's out for two games. Right. Um, and, and you maybe can squeak by. Because really, Philly lost their chance – to, to supremely compete with the Nets 
when they wouldn't give up or they, they just couldn't pull the trigger for Harden. On the Harden uh, deal. With Simmons, yeah. yeah. Because Embiid and, and Harden would have been just nuts. I mean, I don't know what the hell you do with that, honestly. Yeah, but yeah, that would have been a different dynamic to that team altogether. It would have been. True. I mean, we'd, be talk- we'd probably be talking about them how we're talking about the Nets right now. Right, right, exactly. So, I, I mean, I think I think we have a pretty good grasp on how this is going to go the rest of the – I mean, maybe it'll be a six-game series against the Bucks here, but I'm, I'm fairly certain the Nets will be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, the real question then will just be, when do you get Harden back? Um, I know they just called it tightness, even though they rushed him to the hospital for an MRI right. last night or two nights <laughs> yeah. ago, whenever it was. Um, but, you know, he was walking around the court uh, in his street clothes. He wasn't, like, immobilized okay. or anything. So. Well, the good thing about it – and the good thing about a two-old lead is is you can afford to be even extra cautious. I mean, Absolutely. You can give him another week. There's no reason to play him in game three. Uh, and there probably isn't even a reason to play him in game four, even if it is 2-1 after three. Right. I mean, it may not even be a reason for him to travel to Milwaukee at this point. Just stay there and, and rehab and then see him in game five and see if you can, you know, see if you can do something then. Because those soft tissue things, you, you don't want to tweak it where now, you know, you're not available till game three of the, of the Eastern Conference Finals or something because you tried to come back in some stupid game. So, yeah. no, I agree. Yeah. That's uh, that's where we are. But it's man, that's where we are. It's it used to be real hard to watch the NBA when my team was terrible. It is so great now with all these fun players. It really is so it much is, fun. It is uh, like considering the conversation we had about uh, Major League Baseball, the NBA is on a different level. They have amazing leadership. They have market. We have talked about stars in each of the series that they have left in their in their postseason. They're, the finals are going to. Um, almost for sure guarantee to have either Embiid and Simmons, Trey Young, Giannis, or that trio of, of the Nets against your MVP in Jokic or the greatest point guard ever and his new squad of kids that he's kicking everybody's ass with uh, or Kawhi and PG finally achieving Western Conference success after uh, 24 months of people talking shit about him. Or the Jazz finally making it. That's probably your worst case scenario is the Jazz making it to the finals. So out of eight teams left, you've got seven that as a as a league, you are totally happy and excited about getting them into your championship series and putting the spotlight on them. And that is awesome. That shows that they are in a fucking phenomenal state in terms of where the league is. Adam Silver, um, zero if any few complaints about his leadership and any of his decision making um in these past couple of years so i'm really excited about the rest of the way for the uh for the, for the playoffs yeah yeah no you're absolutely right i saw a graphic today only three of the eight remaining teams have ever won a title in their franchise yep. history and i think yeah, the latest the latest was uh was philly in 1983 that was the most recent of any of the eight teams Everyone else was because the Bucks, I think, were in the seventies, and and there was right. one other, I forget who and else the, had the title, the but the Sixers, other five had never. Yeah. No, I don't think yeah, Utah's never won one. The Clippers either. Nope. The Suns have never won one. The nope. Nuggets have never won one. So that's four right there. Philly has one. The Hawks. Uh no, they have to have because the Nets have never won one. And then Milwaukee, we had had them back in the day. Atlanta has to have sneaked one back in the day when it was like the ABA or something. Um, but still, a lot of young stars now in, in the final eight. Good series, good teams, excellent matchups on the horizon. 
Um, so the NBA is in a great, great spot compared to what we were talking about with baseball. You were right, by the way, 1958 for the Hawks. There you go. <laughs> ABA titles. Yeah. They count, baby. They count. I don't know how, but all right, cool. Ask the Celtics. They're clinging on to all of them. Um, <laughs> so I keep shooting at Boston up here. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of a very long episode seven, but we are glad to be back. We will make sure to do this more often with you all. We'll get together again next week and see how this is all going. Uh, check back in on that baseball uh, quote-unquote scandal and see how the league is reacting and, and what's going on out there, and we will catch up with everything else that's going on. So thank you for joining us. Please rate and su- subscribe to the pod. Rate us five stars. Leave a comment. Leave questions for us in the comments if you wish. Follow us on Instagram at Three Major Sports. Um, shoot out questions there too. We want to interact and engage with you all as much as possible. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like, um, and we can make adjustments and make this the best sports pod that you guys listen to. So, Rob, anything to say before we sign off? No, sir. It was it was nice talking again. I'd missed you. <laughs> yes, indeed, I have missed you as well, sir. <laughs> so, take care, everybody. Enjoy the sports, and we will catch you all next time. Good night. Good night.